Yeah. Y'all see that we all went on the same side for that hug? It could have got real weird up in elevation quick. Um, how y'all doing tonight? Y'all good? Amir talking about all that makes me feel really, really old. Um, and how do you know that I haven't gone crazy since I moved? Things are getting crazy up in Fayetteville. Um, so yeah, my name is Garrett, and it's really cool to be here. It's kind of weird. I haven't been here in a long time, but um, I was at the very first Elevation service my freshman year of college. I was a UCA Bear. Go Bears. And how many, anyone want to guess what year that was? Just, just so I can, so I can just really focus on how old I am right now. How many? You said 1990? Get out of here. Man, that's messed up. Half of y'all weren't even born in 1990, but I was. Uh, any other guesses? 03. Okay, 04. 04. 2004, so I was the first one, so um, it's really, really cool to be here. This, uh, this church completely changed my life, and uh, I was here for a long time. I was here for a, almost 11 years, and then Pastor Rick and some of them got together and they were like, we need to get a pastor that's much cooler and much browner and more ethnic, and they got Amir. Um, so, you know, that's where it's at now, but uh, I do want to say that um, uh, you guys have an amazing leader and Pastor Amir. He, uh, you know, I've, I remember when I met him, he was, uh, we played intramurals against each other. I didn't like him. I was like, man, that dude, he's so fast and he's grabbing my flags all the time. And, uh, and, I, and I was pretty fast myself, you know, back before I was 29. And uh, that's how old I am. But we were, uh, I remember just thinking, man, that dude, he, he, I just, I didn't like him. But as I got to know him, um, it was clear that, that God had a call in his life. And, and it and it's just so cool um, what you've been doing. And so if you guys love your pastor, would you put your hands together for Amir? So anyhow. Um, so yeah, let me introduce you to my family. Uh, you know, this church I was talking, this, it just means so much to me being here. Uh, uh, this ministry got a used elevation to kind of shape who I am today. I mean, it was, it was in this room where God started speaking to me about my calling. And, um, and, and what I was going to do with my life. And, and I got saved in the youth group at our church. And I even met my wife here. Actually, I asked my wife out on our first date. I was like sitting, um, are you in the blue hoodie over there? I'm, I'm pointing at you. Yeah, yeah. So raise your hand. Okay. I was like sitting in that chair when I asked my wife out. That's how spiritual I am. I asked my wife out at church. And um, we have been married for seven years now. I think we have a picture of her. Her name is Megan. Um, come on, Justin. After all these years, you can't get that. You can't hit my cues right, man. Um, yeah, she is. She is. Ow! Wow, you did. I can't do it as high as you, but that's that's true about her. Um, that was actually at a wedding that we recently did of, of Sydney and Evan Tier. Wait, I got to do it back. Evan and Sydney Tier. But uh, man, everybody loves y'all. So, um, so yeah, I met my wife here. This is not a bad place to find Bay. I'm just saying. Uh, we had a leader one time. Um, we had a leader admit to me. She, she came. And she was like, you know what, Garrett. When me and my roomies used to come to Elevation, you know what we would call Elevation? I was like, what? And she was like, uh, we, we, we'd walk in, we'd say Elevation is the buffet of potential husbands, all you can eat. And uh, I was like, whoa, you weren't, so you weren't coming for Jesus, you were coming, and I was, so, but the reality is half of y'all are here for that too, so there's no judgment here. It's not a bad place to find Bay. So I found Bay here, and we got married, and now we have um, reproduced, and we have two children, that is uh, Zion on the left and Maddox. So, yeah, Maddox is almost four, and uh, he's crazy. And uh, he does have red hair, but he is my child, I promise. Um, 
Andy likes to make jokes about that, and uh, I, don't, I don't appreciate that. Um, wow, I need, to, I need to get back to, I need to get to the Bible here in a second. And that's Zion. Zion, he is one, he's chunky, he's awesome, and I love getting to be in charge of these dudes. So, yeah, um, who knows, someone in this room you could make babies with one day, get, get married to, and uh, so, yeah. Um, so, anyway, so Zion, Zion uh, is so much fun right now. He's one, and um, the other day I had, a, like, one of those dad fails. I have a lot of those, by the way, you know. It's just hard, hard being a parent, you know. How often are you supposed to feed them, you know. There's how you teach them how to walk, you know. I don't remember. Any, anyways, so I was hanging out with Zion, and uh, I was, I, I like to call it babysitting, but you can't call it babysitting if it's your kid. You're just being a dad. So um, I was hanging out with Zion, and uh, I had something really important to do. Really, I had to check what was in the fridge. So I sat Zion on the couch, and um, and I just sat him there, and I was like, good. And he, he looked at me, and I sat him there. So I went into rummage through. Um, the fridge, and I remember looking out of the my, the corner of my eye, and I saw him. He, you know, he's at that age where he's just not very agile. Let's just be honest. You know, we got to work on that. He's not very, um, doesn't have the great greatest balance. So babies don't know how to like catch themselves when they fall. So I, I watched him out of the corner of my eye. I watched him. He was sitting like this, and I watched him just kind of like since he's chunky, his weight when he gets going one way, he's just going that way. So I kind of watched him like do this. And, like, he bounced off the couch cushion and did a front flip on his face. So some of you might have saw that scar on his face. So, uh, so anyhow, Megan came home, and he was crying, and she was like, what'd you do? And I said, you know, I was, I was busy, and he just, he, just ju- he just jumped, you know. But he kind of he landed, landed it well, and I don't know, you know, don't, don't hate me, don't, don't, you know, don't divorce me. And uh, she was like, you know, she just looked at me, and she said this word, and she said it before in our marriage, but she said to me, she said, Garrett, I'm going to need you to be more engaged. I'm going to need you to be more engaged. And I was just thinking about that, and, you know, um, when you're a dad one day, or, you know, you'll, you'll realize that that's like, or not all of you, the boys, but, but anyways, uh, it's really difficult sometimes to be engaged. You know, I, I was thinking about how, you know, now there's just so many things that can occupy your mind and occupy your time where you go through life. And you're, how many would you say you're busy? How many would you say it was even hard just getting here today because of whatever you had going on? Some of you got tests you got to study for. Some of you, I saw some, um, some football players coming. And some of you, you got practice. You, you have so much of your life that is so occupied and so filled with commitments and things that are, that are pulling your attention that it's so easy to be um, disengaged where, you know, maybe you're, you're hanging out with people, but literally you're just really um, checking social media with several different people and you're having like a social media hangout, but you're really just on your phones. And um, how many of you ever been guilty of, of doing that? Um, and and, and what, what I was thinking about is how I was thinking how I don't, I don't want to be the person that goes through life around people all the time, but not really there. And, and what, what I want to talk about tonight, the title of the message is going to be Along the Way. And y'all say Along the Way. Um, if you look throughout your Bibles, we're going to be hanging out in uh, the book of Matthew today. If any of you bring Bibles, anybody got Bibles, phones, you version, y'all heard of that? Um, turn to Matthew chapter 9. Um, and what I, what I want to do here is I, I was just thinking about this, this message. This, Amir was talking about how you guys have been talking about honoring God. And I was just thinking about how um, one of the ways that we honor people um, is by we share in the things that matter to them. Um, if you want to honor me, um, you know, Amir was saying some nice things about me. That's real cool. Um, but one of the ways to my heart is to, to love my kids. You know what I'm saying? And, and when, you, when you think about honoring God, it's, you cannot honor God without 
without loving people. And I, and I know it's very cliche for a pastor to come and talk about that, but I think it's really, really easy for us in the midst of our lives and the pace that we live to be around people but not really honor them or, or see them or, or, or value them as human beings, as, as, as precious people that, that Jesus died for. And when you look at the Gospels, most of the ministry that Jesus did, he did it along the way. He did it, he would, he would be going into an area, into a village, and all of a sudden he would just change course and, and turn his attention from his agenda and the things that he had to do, and he would meet a need, and he would see um, what was going on. In Luke chapter 19, there was a, a story where Jesus is going into a village, but then he sees a little, a little dude hanging out in a tree, and his name is Zacchaeus, and he, he says, hey, get out of the tree, we're going to go have dinner together, we're going to talk, and he, and he notices him, and it, it was along the way, and in, in Mark chapter 10, um, Jesus is going into a city, and it said that a man ran up to him. It was the rich young ruler. And then Jesus entered into a conversation with this man that, that could have forever changed his life. And then in Luke 17, it says as Jesus entered a village along the way, 10 lepers came up to him and asked to be healed, and, and Jesus healed them. And I was just thinking about how what, what was so cool about Jesus, and, and, and it has implications for us, is that Jesus, he, he, he impacted every single environment that he entered. Like, Jesus could not show up somewhere without things changing. You know what I mean? Like, uh, he, he showed up at a party one time, and it was like, I was like, all right, guys, what are we drinking? And everybody, it was like Dasani. And he was like, oh, that's not going to work, and let's turn this up. He turned it all into wine. Like, like, Jesus, he was the life of the party. He literally brought joy and energy and hope and encouragement where every single, one, every single place he went. And... I was thinking about, well, if Jesus was that way, how come so many Christians, how, how come so times we can walk around so boring, so self-absorbed, so up in our feelings, and so um, discouraged sometimes, or so, um, so critical sometimes, but, but when Jesus, everywhere he went, people, they literally craved to be around him. They, they, they hung on his every single word, not just because he, he was God, but because of the way that he carried himself, and the way that he loved, and valued, and saw people. So, um, if Jesus did this, I, I he really wanted his church and his people to kind of carry that same heart. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to take a passage of Scripture uh, in Matthew 9, and we're just going to break this down. It's going to be really simple. I'm not going to talk forever. But I want to, I want to take this, this little passage, this little paragraph, and I want to break it down because what it does, it describes the way that Jesus honored people and the way that he valued them and the way that he made them feel important, the way that he, he served them. And, and what it does is it creates for us a model how we honor um, the relationships God's given us. Because I just really believe this. I, I, when, I, when I first started trying to live for God, I didn't know anything. I didn't grow up in church. Um, the reason this church means so much to me is because it, it completely changed my life. My, my parents were baptized in this church. Uh, like I said, I met my wife here. I, I, met, I made friends in small groups that stood next to me at my wedding. Uh, I moved to Faithville just so I could start another one. Bottom line, as well, it came down to not because faith was cool, not just because I wanted an opportunity to, to kind of give life to people because God has done so much in my life here. And I was just thinking about how, how for you, most of you have no idea how much influence God's given you. You think that you're not cool or you're not influential enough. Girls, you think that you don't um, look as cool as some girls that you follow on Instagram or you don't dress as cool as them. And because of that, you don't have as much to say. Or people don't care as much about how you treat them or what you say to them. And, and some of you guys, you, you struggle with being confident. Just that, that, that as, as a man, that you have something to contribute. That you have a purpose. That, that, that someone would actually want to follow you. Or that, that your investment into another person could actually, actually do something, mean something. And, and I, had a, I had a pastor one time. 
And I, I was in that, I was, I was, I was a senior in high school, really is what it was. And I had him, he just started speaking over to me, just that, that, that everything that I tried to do to have influence um, in my relationships with the opposite sex, in, in school, in sports, everything I, I possibly did to try to make influence, he, he, he just told me, he's like, all that, it's not really for you. So you can feel good about yourself, so you be confident. It's so that you can be a blessing to other people and point other people to Jesus. And, and I, I'm just saying this to you because I, I just feel like it's really, really easy to not realize that, that God's given you influence, that if he's given you his spirit, he's, that the, the same spirit that, that turned water into wine, that raised Jesus from the dead, that lives inside of every single person that calls on him, and that means that wherever you go, you carry the life and the joy and the hope of Christ within you, and people need that, and he's positioned you in Acts chapter 17, it actually says that before you were even born, that God thought of you, and he predetermined before you were born, before you were even a thought in daddy and mommy's mind, that he had a, a, a certain place and a purpose and a time for you to live there because he wanted people to find him through you. So it's important for you to know that when you go about your life, it, it, it matters. It matters how you see people. So I'm just gonna read this verse, and y'all with me? Y'all say I'm ready for the word. Come on. All right, Matthew 9, verse 35 through 38 said, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. If you're taking notes, please take notes. If you, if you want to jot them down, um, whatever, uh, this is three ways that Jesus engaged along the way. Three ways Jesus engaged along the way. The first one, number one, is he went to the people. He went to the people. Um, he didn't wait for people to come to him. As a church, it, you know, this is really a, a unique opportunity for some of you. Not, I, I, you know, I live uh, in Fayetteville, and our church is about a year old, and we haven't had a chance to really create this yet. Uh, and you grew up in church before, you know there's like, there's like student church, a young people church, and then there's big church. We're, we're just trying to get big church going, but, but we have things going on. But I was thinking about how, how special this is because we don't have this in Fayetteville yet. And I was just thinking about how like when you, when you, when you come into an environment like this, it's really encouraging to get to go to a place where people are gonna encourage you with the word and challenge you and love you and, and be here for you. And then you're gonna find other people that, that kind of share your convictions. And it's really, really cool and it's really, really fun to have Christian friends and, and, and bros that can be there for you when you wanna read the Bible and girls that can be there for you to, to help you filter which boys you should go out to or not anyways. But... But what can happen, and this is what churches, where you take it too far, is you can get to a place where you're so connected to other believers that you don't have any relationships with people outside of that. You can get so close to your Christian friends and, and, and you do your small groups and all that stuff, and it's fun and it, it builds you up, but what can happen is you can find yourself at a place where you're, you, you, you kind of have a click. And I'm not saying that clicks are bad, I'm not trying to judge anyone, but I'm saying I, I find myself, I struggle with this all the time. I hang out with church people all the time. The other day, I went to this, I went, I was just thinking, I was like, I need to, I need to quit hanging around church people all the time, and they're church people problems. I want to, I want to, like, know what's going on in, like, real people's lives, so I went to this, like, um, place where they feed homeless people every day, and I just started hanging out with people, and it was like, oh, this is what really people, people go through, and it was just good for me, but Jesus, what he did is he, he would take heat for this, but he would leave, uh, 
kind of his crew, his people, his disciples, the 12, and he would just go eat with someone that the society deemed as uh, an unholy person or someone that he shouldn't be hanging out with if he was God in the flesh. Um, Sometimes to engage people, you have to be willing to step outside of what's comfortable for you. Um, One time, it's cool, Amir was just talking about missions night. Uh, One of the first places that, actually the first place that Elevation ever wanted a mission trip was Los Angeles. And we served at a place called the Dream Center, and uh, it's really, really cool. What happened was we had students that came back from Los Angeles and had a vision for serving the community, and they started serving in Conway. And, and, and a few people with a, a burden for people and, and to serve, it turns into what is now the Arkansas Dream Center. Um, a lot of you don't know that you hear about Dream Center on the weekends, but Elevate, y'all started at Arkansas Dream Center by being faithful. But anyways, we went on this trip. And one of, the, one of the things we did one day is they decided that it was just a cool idea to take all these, uh, a bunch of, you know, um, white kids from Arkansas and an Asian dude and, and take them to um, basically the, the it, it was like the, it was, it was a, um, it was called the Jordan Downs Housing Unit. And what it was, it was the projects right in the middle, of, in between Compton and, and we were hanging out and I was just like walking around and, and basically our agenda for the day was we were going to hang out with kids and love on people and, and somehow use that as a, a bridge to talk about our faith. And, but we had these shirts on that were red. I don't really understand why they gave us red shirts, but it was like, that's supposed to mean that you're okay. And anyway, so we had our red shirts and we're going through the projects, the Jordan Downs housing unit, that the team that was there the week before had actually witnessed a real life drive-by. Um, so they were telling us that. So if they didn't think we were terrified already. And, and we were walking and I remember one, one day, it was like, it was near the end of the day and we hadn't really seen a lot of movement that day. It hadn't been that successful. And I saw a group of about eight guys tall fellas, and they were hanging out in like a circle, and they were all huddled around a porch. Who knows what they were up to, but they were all like huddled up, and I remember, um, I was just thinking, well, how am I going to get them to want to talk to me about Jesus, you know? They're all doing their thing. Who knows what they're doing over there? So I had in my hand a football, and um, I had this great idea. You know, sometimes you, you get ideas in your head that seem really great at the time, but then like about two minutes later, you're like, that was the worst thing I could have ever done in the moment, and I, you wish you hadn't done it, but it's too late. So that, anyways, so what I thought to myself, I'm not Taylor Reed over here, but I, I, had, I, did, I did play a little intramural quarterback back in my day. So I, this, is, this is what the thought that came through my mind. Okay, Garrett, the way that you are gonna influence these guys and share your faith with them is you're gonna wow them with your athletic ability. So from across the street, I was like, okay, I'm going to throw this football. It's going to be, have such a great trajectory and tight spiral, and it's going to come, and they're going to be like, man, that dude can throw. I want to hear about his, his God. So <laughs> that's how it played out on my head. It didn't really, it's not how it turned out. So what I did was I like, I remember I, I did my little three-step drop, you know, and then um, I had to throw a little crop in there to get enough distance on it. So I threw it, and, um, and it went, and it went, and it like, it came down, and then, and then I noticed about halfway through the, through the pass that they were actually weren't paying attention to me whatsoever, so they had no idea that I had thrown the ball their way, so it landed in the middle of their circle, and they all kind of scattered, and in the middle was their friend in a wheelchair, who I had successfully hit in the head with the football, and they all looked at me, and I may have peed a little, <laughs> who knows, uh, didn't know what to do. And needless to say, nobody got saved at the Jordan Downs housing unit that day. I was just thinking about how, thank God I didn't, that wasn't the end of my ministry experience. Um, But I had never done, you know, I was just, didn't know what the heck I was doing. And um, I was reflecting on that near-death experience, and I thought to myself, you know, that wasn't very effective. 
but it, we weren't passive. Do you know what I'm saying? Like we, we may not have done a lot of things, but we were making an effort. And I was just thinking about how so it's so easy sometimes for us to kind of get so comfortable, not, not really know how, how to make a difference and, and, and not really know how to like be intentional and engage people. A lot of, a lot of you, the, the reason it's hard for you to think about how to go to someone to honor them or share your faith with them or engage them is because you don't really, um, you don't, you don't really know what to say or, or how to do it. And what I think we can be guilty of is we want to kind of glamorize the Great Commission. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we want to look at like missions in Africa and all these things is like, that sounds like an adventure. We'll do that. But, but reality is each of you have been given a circle of influence. I want you to do this real quick. I want you to turn your notes over. If you did, do y'all even, do y'all do, still do notes? Y'all do notes? Okay. Um, flip it over. I just want you to draw a big fat circle. Um, nobody judge the, your neighbor's circle if they're not good at drawing circles. It's not, it's not their fault. Um, Draw a, drip, draw a big circle. We're gonna do some of that in a second, but um, each of you, you you have people in your life that God has strategically placed you around to be a blessing to. Um, check out this verse in, in Matthew chapter ten, verse five and six. It said, "Jesus sent his twelve harvest hands out with this charge." Harvest hands just means disciples. I know it sounds kind of strange. Don't begin by traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers. And don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. Go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood. Um, it's really easy for the church to sometimes look at issues and, and want to be really loud and vocal about issues and make statements on Facebook about what they believe or what people need to do when there's people, there's real people with real stories that are right around them that need your hope and need to know what's going on in your life. So anyways, in that circle, I want you to just write down, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to give you like, a few different thoughts. Just, there's just gonna be some words I want you to write down and uh, I want you to leave space. I almost make it like a list, like a column on the left-hand side of your circle. I'm not giving you homework. You don't have to do this. I'll never know, but I just want you to do this. And you're basically gonna make a column on the left-hand side of your circle. I wish I had a way to illustrate it for you, but I just thought of this on the way over here. But um, I want you to write the words friends in the, in the top of the column, underneath it family, Underneath that, classmates. Could be coworkers. Am I going too fast, y'all? You can even put teammates if you if you play a sport. Um, I really just want what I want. What I'm doing here is I'm giving you just a few ways to think about um, people that God has placed you around. People that you may need to go to, people that you may need to prioritize. Because a lot of times it's hard to know, well, you know, what do people really need from me? What can I, what can I really do? You'd be surprised how many people just uh, are, are blessed by your time, by your investment. You know, when we moved to Fayetteville, you know, a lot of what we've done to try to build our church is just, we've just been hanging out with people. Just last night, just having people in my house, and we were just talking about their stories and their, and their backgrounds and what we believe as a church and our story, and we were just hanging out. There was nothing super spiritual about it. I wasn't preaching at them. Uh, a lot of times, it's just spending time investing in people. So I, the, the question I just want you to think about is who, 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 needs your, who needs your time? Who around you needs some time with you? Could be, it could be a cousin that's just awkward and not normal for you to spend time with, but could really, really be blessed by just some time with you. It could be... Um, a sorority sister or a pledge brother that, that just someone that you might have no, they could do nothing for you, but, but by spending time with them, you can make a difference in their life. 
Um, share your story with them. Just take time with them. Number two, second, second way Jesus engaged along the way is he had compassion for the people. He had compassion for the people. I think the notes say he showed compassion. I got this little monitor up here that corrected me. He showed compassion for the people. So um, next verse in Matthew 9, 36, it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So my wife, Megan, um, the fine lady in the red dress you saw earlier, she is a counselor. Um, so she, she watches our kids, she, raises, she helps us raise our kids, stays at home, but then a couple days a week, she, um, she's a mental health counselor. So she deals with all sorts of things. It's really cool because that means I get free counseling. And um, pastors have issues too, just, just being real, you know? So I just, she's sometimes at home, I'm stressed out, and she just like makes me sit in this lounge chair and she just sits behind me. It just gets really weird. But um, one of the things she loves, she just loves getting to know the, peop- the, the human brain and just how people think and Anyways, so she really loves personality tests. And there's this one personality test that's like, it, it kind of asks you a, a series of prompting questions. And, and from that, uh, it labels you as a certain animal. Anybody done the animal test? I, I'm not gonna do the animal test. I don't even, but uh, I, I'm kind of bitter about the animal test because I always get something really lame like a beaver. Any beavers out there? Okay, you, you, you relate. Um, some people get like puma. What are some of y'all's animal, t- what'd you get? Wild dog, wolf, man. You're a beaver, who else, you're a beaver over there too? Come on. Um, sheep. Well, if you think about this, this is just if you, if you, if you look at the context of this particular passage, um, what, what's kind of happening here is Jesus, when he sees this crowd of people that have needs that are normal, that some, of the, they, they, some of them have desperate needs, but these broken people, what he does is he, he basically profiles humanity and he labels us sheep. He compares humanity as, as sheep without a shepherd. And I was just thinking about this. In Psalms 23, it's all throughout the Bible, this whole idea of God wanting to shepherd his people. And in Psalm 23, it says, um, the Lord is my, my shepherd, I shall not want. Four quick reasons why um, sheep need shepherds. Number one, a shepherd provides. A shepherd provides. A shepherd takes care of the needs of the sheep. Um, the sheep don't hunt for themselves. The shepherd actually provides for them, um, makes sure they have what they need. Um, a sheep also directs, um, leads them kind of where they need to go, to, to the grass, to where, where they're safe. A sheep directs them. Um, number three, a, a, shepherd, a shepherd also protects. A shepherd protects sheep. Because sheep, if you really think about it, anybody um, grow up in a farm? Anybody besides Kendra? Kendra, I'm just kidding. Uh, okay, so anybody, if you have sheep around you, and if you really think of a sheep, you think, how do the sheep defend themselves? Because they just really waddle. They can't really kick. They just kind of, they, they cannot even fast. So a sheep has no ability to actually defend themselves. So they have to have a shepherd defend them. They can just waddle around, and it's just it's just bad deal. Um, a shepherd also cleans a sheep, can, can cleanse a sheep. A shepherd cleanses. Uh, some animals can clean themselves, like cats. They clean themselves. It's disgusting. I don't understand why people would ever want cats. But sheeps, they actually, they can't just, they can't sheep. I said sheeps. Sheep can't, they can't clean themselves. They need a shepherd to do it for them. And, and here's the point I want to make right now is when a, when a sheep doesn't have a shepherd, they're forced to be their own. If a sheep doesn't have a shepherd, they're forced to be their own to be their own, to, to, to provide their own direction, their own protection, their own um, 
cleansing, their own, um, you know, all that the sheep has to do with themselves. And, and I just want you to know this, wherever Jesus is not Lord, he cannot be shepherd. So whoever, whenever God is not the Lord and the covering of someone's life, he, he has no ability to be their shepherd. So, so what, 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 what's going on here is Jesus is, real, he's, he's seeing humanity, he's seeing people and he's saying they're, they're like sheep without a shepherd. And what he, what, what he does throughout the gospels is he, he refers to himself as the good shepherd. In fact, you know, shepherd, it's not a very, like, glorious duty. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I were to give myself a title or call myself something, I probably wouldn't pick shepherd. Um, but this is what's so cool. Jesus, he actually owns the responsibility of being our shepherd. He, it's like he's proud of it. Uh, he's proud of it, and, and, and he wants us to carry that burden. Uh, you know, as, as we come in to the family of God, he wants to have that burden for people. And, I, and, and as I was reading this, I was thinking about how what was so cool about compassion that Jesus had for people is, is that it was, it was really kind of strange. that The whole idea of compassion, like, just in my notes, is I was just thinking about how a lot of times we can confuse compassion um, for, like, feeling sorry for someone or, or pity. Um, but that word compassion, it, it, the way it's described in this passage, it was almost like a stomach pain. What Jesus felt in this moment when he, he came onto this crowd, it was, almost like, it was almost like that time where you, you get so heartbroken over something that you're literally sick to your stomach. That's what Jesus experienced. Have you ever been dumped before? You know what I'm talking about? That dump where you're just like, oh, you feel sick because you got dumped and you just want to listen to Taylor Swift and, you know, it's just kind of like what you want to do and Netflix binge and get a lot of Ben and Jerry's, you know. Now Andy's. I heard y'all got an Andy's over here. So can we go to Andy's later? Can that happen? Sweet. Um, I'm so distracted. All I'm thinking about is what flavor I'm going to get now. <laughs> Fat kid up here. Uh, so anyways, where am I even at? Okay, so Jesus had this, such compassion for these people, and I was thinking about what's so unique about this is when Jesus had compassion on people, it, it, it were people that didn't deserve it. Most of the people that Jesus extended compassion towards and cared for were people that, that all they cared about was what they, what they could get from Jesus. Most of this crowd, the only reason they showed up is because they heard there was some dude that could heal people and, and turn water into wine and, and, and turn you know, the fish and the follows into a, you know, a golden corral buffet. And that's kind of, anyways. But, but like, so they just, they just wanted to take from him, but he still extended compassion towards them. Later on, one of the last things Jesus even experienced when, when he was dying, there was crowds of people that, that actually voted to murder Jesus. They voted to, to, for his death. They actually said, kill Je- don't, kill the, don't kill the murderer, kill, kill Jesus. So on Jesus, one of his, the last statements he made, he, he, he actually, he, asked, he pleaded, that God would spare them, that God would forgive them. So, so on the cross, the, the very people that, that killed him, Jesus gave, extended compassion towards and he cared for and he had this, this emotion towards and this love for. And I was just thinking about how for us, we tend to want to put conditions on who we have compassion for. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's easy for us to be compassionate about um, what happened in Cabot, for instance. Some of you know, heard about this. We had some girls um, in Cabot that, that just tragically lost their life on Saturday. You may have even, some of you are probably closer connected to the story than me, and you look at a situation like that, and it's just easy to have compassion because, you know, how young they were and all that stuff, but what Jesus did is he had no conditions. He'd have compassion for anybody. And if we're gonna have compassion, we don't get to be the judge of who gets our compassion. 
And it's really easy for us to want to, to want to, to, to spend time with or invest in or care for people that we like or that are easy for us. But then when there's people that seem to, to be difficult for us or gossip or aren't fun to be around to not extend compassion towards. And, and that's just not the kind of compassion that Jesus had. So um, I was just thinking about this. The, a couple of years ago, I was with one of our Elevation leaders and we went golfing. Um, anybody like to golf? I used to beat Seth all the time when we went golfing. Um, that's one of the things I miss about Conway is beating your butt in golf all the time. So, anyways, uh, I, I was golfing with one of our leaders, and we were hanging out, and, and we, were, we were playing, and this, this guy comes up next to us, and he was, he was probably in his late 30s. He was on his own, and he, he, he said, hey, you, you, can we play? Can I jump in with you guys? And um, I was like, you know, I was kind of trying to have some time with Taylor, and his name was Taylor, and we were, we were, we were getting in. I, was, I just felt like, well, of course, we got to let the guy play. And... Um, the first thing he did is he, had, he pulled out a six-pack and he offered, he's like, you want some beer? And I'm like, bro, golf was hard enough as it is without any of those in the mix. So I, unfortunately, I don't need that to, to be bad at golf. I'm bad enough. Anyway, so uh, we're playing and, and throughout the course, you know, it's just, I could just tell that, you know, this guy wasn't necessarily maybe, he, just through the way we interacted, I could just tell he was kind of going through a tough time. He, he was getting angry really easily. Um, saying some things that aren't necessarily like golfer etiquette, you know. And um, at the end of the round, I didn't, I didn't really, I don't do this a whole lot of times, but I just felt like God just gave me compassion for this person. And out of the blue, I, at the end of our, after the ninth hole, I was just like, man, um, my name is Gary. I, I'm a pastor at a church here in town. And I just, I just, it seems like there's maybe something going on in your life. Is there anything I can pray for you for? And as soon as I said that, that man, his, his face dropped and he began to tell me how his two-year-old baby girl was about to have heart surgery. And he didn't know what was going to happen, and he was just terrified. And uh, and right there on the on, on the ninth grade, we just we, we we got to huddle over him and pray for him. And and the, that week later, he came to church. And a few weeks later, his daughter had the surgery, and everything was fine. And she started coming to the church. And I was just thinking about how it, how easy it is for me and for us to get so caught up in our lives and our agendas and what we want to do that we don't see the moments that God is actually setting up for us. I believe in, in hindsight and in retrospect that God specifically sent us to that course, to that time, at that time so we could intersect in that moment. And, and it was just cool. And I, and I miss it all the time. But, but I just wanted you to know this. You, you never know what the people in your circle are dealing with. You, you, just, you just never know. You never know who's hurting around you. You never know. And if you're like me, sometimes it's difficult to know how do you even respond when someone's going through a tough time. Like, what do they need from you? You don't, you know, someone, something really terrible happens to someone, and you, you think, well, I don't know how to explain that in the Bible to them, so I'm just going to keep my distance. Or I don't really know um, how to fix that or help them understand what they're going through. I don't know how to, I don't know how to but sometimes what, what people need is just the presence of God around them and people that care and just showing up um, to be there with them. And, and I just want you to know that if you're going to engage people along the way, sometimes it's messy and sometimes it's hard. The other night, the other day, I was, I, I mean, I was, I was talking with Amir about this that, or I was, and another one of the pastors when I got here, I was just talking about how like before I moved to Fayetteville, all I did was hang out with well, like you guys. I didn't hang out with 50-year-olds and ushers and Anyways, uh, so the other day I was, I, was, I was sitting across at lunch at Chipotle with this guy, and he was basically telling me how, how he didn't, he didn't, his marriage wasn't going well, and he didn't really want to work on it, and that they were probably going to get a divorce. And I'm sitting here, and I'm just like, 
I'm sitting here, I'm like, okay, so why are we talking, you don't, you don't really want to work on it? And I was just, I, my heart began to break for this, this situation because I had never dealt with, you know, what it's like to, to, to really be in the pain with someone. Well, compassion, all it is, just write this, compassion just means sharing in someone's pain. And what, what enabled Jesus to have compassion for these people that were killing him to plead on God's behalf to forgive them, what enabled him to do this, because he was able to see past what they were doing to him and what they were doing wrong and see into their soul and, and, most, and see that at the, at the root of it, they still needed hope and they, were still, they, still needed, they still needed the love of Christ inside of them. And I just, I think sometimes what we need to do is whenever there's someone that's hard for you, hard for you to honor, hard for you to take care of, you need to, you need to realize that usually whatever it is that, that bugs you about them, that's so annoying, that's so difficult to deal with, however messy it is, it's usually just the fruit of something deeper that's going on in their life. And as Christ followers, the same way that Jesus extends grace and sees past our mess to speak truth to our hearts, we have to be able and willing to do that with people. Y'all with me? That makes sense? Okay. Number three. Number three is he met the needs of the people. He met the needs of the people. Matthew 9, the, ne- the next part of that verse, um, it says that, that, that Jesus, he, he, went, he went through all the cities, he, he, he went... He went through all the cities and villages preaching in their synagogues the good news of the kingdom of God. I was kind of between different translations, but the one you have, it says he went through each village teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. So he didn't just preach at them. He didn't just tell them what they needed to hear. He actually met physical needs that they had. And I think it's important for you to know that what Jesus did, so, he, he was so good at this. He was able to, to address physical needs and spiritual needs at the same time. And what I think it's just good to know that a lot of people are used to people having an agenda. Like, like some of you, you know, you have parents that have an agenda for your life. Some of you have, um, maybe you're, you know, some of you athletes, you have agenda. You actually have your day scheduled out for you before you even wake up. You have an agenda. You, there, there are things that people expect of you, things that people want from you. But what Jesus was able to do is Jesus was able to call them to a higher way of living, but he was also able to just give, them, give to them freely. And, and I think it's important to know that as the church, we can be guilty of this too, of just expecting people to change their lives or come to church or, or tithe or be, do, do certain things, but not necessarily be willing just to, to give freely. And when you serve and give freely, what it does is it breaks down walls in people. Um, Romans 2 verse 4, it says that it's, it's God's kindness that is intended to lead you to repentance. So what actually changes us sometimes is just the generosity and the goodness of God. Um, I had a cool thing happen a couple, uh, a couple months ago. Um, there's a couple in our church, um, Garrett and Stephanie Peters. Garrett um, at, at church, they call him the white Garrett. Um, Garrett and I, we met freshman year in 2004 at Elevation. And we were buddies together, and we, we both came into this ministry at the same time, and we ended up being roommates together. And then as soon as we graduated, he moved off to Fayetteville. And, and over the last six years or whatever, before we moved there, we would go visit them, and we would talk about how one day we were going to maybe start a church up there and just be so cool. we just kind of joke about it. And now um, we're up there, and they're in our church, and they're serving and they lead one of our life groups. And they were just telling me the other day how um, they had a situation where, um, where basically they were, they were driving to the grocery store and they just saw a woman that was sitting outside in the rain and she was holding a sign that said homeless and hungry. 
So they, they talked to her a little bit, got some information from her, and then they went, they went home and immediately emailed their entire life group, all the different couples in their life group, and explained the situation. And what happened was that the life group was getting to meet together the following evening. And, and, and at that life group, each, each couple brought tons of, of food and supplies and resources for this woman. They were able to bless this woman. I was just thinking about how, how cool that is when the church cannot just be a church that tells people what they need to do, but actually is willing to be the church and serve people's needs um, so anyways, it was just, it was really cool. I remember, uh, what's difficult about this whole idea of meeting people's needs is, is a lot of you, if you're like me when I was in your situation, a lot of you can think that that is something you do once you get older. Do you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of times you might think, well, what do I really have to give right now? Some of you, how many of you uh, would say that you are broke to some degree? To some degree, you just don't have a lot of extra income. Some of you might, you know, Eat ramen noodles all the time. I, I get it. I actually really miss ramen noodles. Um, but not just because I'm Asian. I know what y'all are thinking. Just, the, just savory. But uh, it's easy to think that that's something that, that, that applies to your life once you're older or you're more established or you have more resources. I remember um, one mission trip we went on as Elevation went to Kenya. And, and I, I, was, I just graduated college and barely had any money. And I remember I was in Kenya and we interacted with another guy that was just kind of my age. He was dreaming about ministry. And he, he started talking about how he needs, he needs, he needs, he just doesn't have, he wants to do God's work, but he didn't have any money to be able to do ministry. So he was, and he threw out some numbers. He was like, you know, we need this many, uh, this much money to, to kind of get by each month to support ourselves. And like I translated into American money and it was like, it's like $20, like $20 a month is all this person's living expenses. And I was just thinking about how, and I remember I was I was I got back in the bus and I was I was I was going back to where we were staying. And I was just started thinking about how, man, I just felt like God was compelling me to to to, to kind of give to this person financially, support him, even though I didn't have all the resources. And I just remember in my mind, if you're like me, a lot of times when something prompts you, it's easy to kind of think about why it wouldn't work. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, I just don't know how that would make sense. And I just remember thinking, well. One day, God, I can't wait till I'm in a place where I can really start blessing people financially, um, being a blessing, meeting people's needs. And I remember I just felt like really, and I don't always feel like God speaks to me, but I, I felt like it was clear in that moment that the God was just saying, if, if you're not gonna be generous with what you have now, why would you be later? Because generosity, it's not really an action or, or a choice. Um, it's really just a response to a, to a changed life. You know what I'm saying? Like when you, when you get to a place where you realize what Jesus has done in your life, how much he's changed you, how much everything that you have, everything that you consider important, everything that you consider a blessing in your life was not because of your own efforts, but because of his grace and his provision in your life. When you realize that and how blessed we are, the only adequate response is to want to meet needs and want to be generous and want to give. And I just want to encourage you with this. A lot of you, you don't feel like you have a lot, but you have something. You have something that God has put inside of you that you can give to meet the needs that, that, that are placed around you. God's the best at connecting what you have to what people need. So I just want you to write down this question. What do I have that I can give? What do I have that I can give? Some people in your circle, like I said before, they just need your time. You have some time. Um, some people need your friendship. Some people might need your mentorship. I one time I had one dude. He just wanted to bless me. He was in elevation, and he gave me a pair of kicks. Seriously, he like walked to me with a box of Roshis, and he was like, "Hey," and they were like, they weren't just Roshis. They were like Flyknit Roshis. If y'all, if any any sneakerheads in the house, okay, 
Okay, you back there. Um, it's, it's a big deal, y'all. So I was just like, I was just like, okay, this person just gave me shoes. What's up with that? And it was just, you you have things that you can do to be a blessing to people. And I just want to, I want to encourage you with that because I do believe that until something clicks inside of us where we see what God wants us to see and we see people the way that he wants us to see them and we, we slow down enough and engage with them and we start prioritizing people into our life and, and people that can do nothing back for us until we really get to experiences that we're never really going to get to live the life that God's had us has for us. And I just want you to start thinking about, if you, if you would, bow your heads. I'm, I'm just going to have a little time where you can kind of just think about this. I think we're going to go back into a song of worship here in a second. Um, I just want you to think about, like, if, I don't know where you're at with this. Some of you I know are really, really good at this um, because you've been doing it. You've been, you've been reaching out to the people around you. You've been seeing them. You've been giving to yourself. Some of you, I believe, that God is stirring something inside of you. Some of you, I think, man, it's just so easy to get up in our feelings, get up in our, get in our days and, and, and all the things that, like, that discourage us and all the things that maybe God hasn't done in our life yet, and we get so consumed by about what isn't happening for us that we forget that God has done a lot. And there are people around us that, that need our hope and need to be encouraged. And one of the best ways to, to tackle what's going on in your life is to be a blessing in somebody else's. In the next chapter, Matthew chapter 10, there's another, another verse that's just, I just wanna speak this over you. Jesus, basically after him and his disciples had this experience